You know, it's quite amazing when you think about that. Because what's most important to Jesus really ought to be most important to us. And that's what I want to talk about today. What is most important to Jesus should be most important to us. And I believe with all my heart today that that is the Great Commission. And the key question today is, what is the Great Commission of Jesus Christ? Today, we're going to look at multiple passages of Scripture. So I do hope you have a Bible with you, or you can easily bring it up on an e-device if you have that with you. I still carry my Bible to church. And for those of you that have it memorized, you'll be in really good shape. But I want to begin by telling you and reminding you that Jesus Christ had lived a perfect life. It's hard to believe he lived a perfect life. Fully God fully man. We had no problem realizing the divine part. It's just hard for us to believe anybody entombed in this human body could ever go without sin. But Jesus did. And not only did he live a perfect life, he died a very vicious death. The worst death in the first century world was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh, there were many crucified, and he was treated as a criminal. There's nothing worse than being accused. You are something that you're not. But they accused him, and he was convicted. And he willingly laid his life down on the cross for your sin and for my sin. I'm still one of those that believes that Jesus died for all people, everyone. And Jesus dying for all people is a massive vision and thought. But as soon as he was died, he was carried to a tomb. But on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. And for 40 days, he walked on this earth. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that he walked on this earth and he taught people about the kingdom of God. And we know that he appeared to people in his resurrected body. One-on-one at times, groups, small groups, a little bit larger groups, and a large group. But right before he ascended to be with the Father in heaven, where he dwells today at the right hand of God until the day he is told, today is the day, go and get my people. That's when every cemetery across the world will be interrupted and every church service or whatever business is going on on that day of the week when he comes will be interrupted and nothing will ever be the same again 
because he is coming again. We call that the rapture of the church. But right before he left, the last thing he said, it's like the last will and testament. If something were to happen to one of you today and you knew that you were just moments from death and you were still aware and you were cognizant and your family was aware, you gathered your children around you and you, listen, I just want to tell you one more time. And you had the breath to breathe and the ability to say it you would articulate what is most important to you. That's what Jesus did right before he ascended to the Father. He's like a football coach who right before he left his team and let them out before the crowd, he would give to them their marching orders or a general saying, you've got to go and do this in order to take the land and win the battle. And that's what Jesus did. He did it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, and really the whole book of the Bible is nothing more than the redemptive call of God to come after God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind, your strength. We read about it over in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Some of you automatically know what one of the real pivotal passages would be in the Scripture. You say, oh, we've heard about that. That's right, you have. The Bible says that Jesus said, reading from the New King James Bible, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are pretty amazing verses. In fact, if you could look at it, if you would imagine a library for a moment and there was a bookend on one end and there was a bookend on the other end, Here's what you have. You have the Great Commission in the middle, and Jesus gives you two bookends. The bookend, I'm giving you all authority to go do this. And the other bookend, he says, and I'll be with you when you go. Authority and power. And the presence of Jesus to be with you wherever you go. Oh, but it doesn't stop. And Matthew, even Mark in his gospel records it over in chapter 16, verse 15. Mark writes, and I love this verse in the scripture. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Wow. Just reading that fires me up, lights me up, pumps me up. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. You mean right here from Camden? Yes. Yes. He didn't qualify it. 
He didn't say, well, this or this or this. Oh, no. He said, if you are my follower, I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to preach the gospel to all creation. That's right. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager or you're 93. Doesn't matter if you're a charter member or somebody considering it. Where to go. Go doesn't mean necessarily to leave where you are, but go means as you go, as you live, as you live your life out, whether it be on ball fields or marketplaces or grocery stores or just hanging out. As you go, you're going to preach, you're going to herald, you're going to shout out the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord that all persons can come to know Him. And that all sins can be washed away. And the presence of Jesus and His purpose can be in your life forever and ever. And one day when you die, you will go immediately into the presence of God. Therein lies that good news. Oh, but this doesn't stop there. Go to the book of Luke in chapter 24. You know, Luke was... Obviously, the author of the book of Luke, but he also authored the book of Acts. But in Luke 24, verse 46 through 49, listen to what he says. He goes into great description. He was a doctor, so he got into the real necessities. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ, meaning the anointed one, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city until you are endued with power from on high. I love what Acts chapter 17 says. Acts 17 tells you this. It's interesting. The Bible says that you have been born in a certain time, in all the history of the world. And that not only does God determine when you were born and when you live, but God determines where you live. You know why God determines when you live and where you will live? So that you might seek God and find Him because in Him you live and you breathe. And you exist. And that is why then he says in Acts 17 that all should repent. Meaning turn from the way you're living and turn your life to Christ. That's exactly what he brings up here. That we're to tell people they need to come to God. Have their sins forgiven. And the Bible even says that we're to preach it to all the nations. Nations means ethnicities, all ethnicities across the world, including right here in the United States. 
And the Bible says that you're going to be endued with power from on high. I tell you, Camden, you want to go forward? You need the power of God. And you need to become freshly committed to the great commission of Jesus Christ, your Lord. You know, I, I, I do have the privilege to travel this country. This week, I, this past week, I've, I've been in Tennessee. I've been in Texas. I've been in California. I've been back in Tennessee. I'm in Ohio today. I'll be in Mississippi on Tuesday. I don't have any idea where I'm going to be after that. Besides, tired. But I'll tell you what I do know. Is that everywhere I go, there are far too many preachers and far too many churches very content with doing ministry without the power of God. There are a lot of you in this building today. You know Christ and you have access to God's power every day of your life. But you're far too content living your life without the power of God. God can do more in a moment than you can ever do in a lifetime. That's why you need the power of God. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said it this way. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The Bible says that you have been sent to give good news to the world. That's the Great Commission. And not only should you send that good news, but you need to send others from this church to share that good news. Well, there's even a testimony here today of people that have been sent out from this church. Whether they're lay people or whether they're, they're pastors, preachers, missionaries, You've been sent out. You've been sent out to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which I'm confident this pastor has preached on many times in 28 years. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does Jesus say? You will receive power. Power, dynamite, dunamis is the Greek word. Dynamite, God explodes to you. I remember learning years and years ago by the great preacher and teacher of evangelism by the name of Roy Fizz, he said that to the level of your witness, God will give you power for that moment. Never hesitate to witness. Never hesitate to share the good news because God will meet you there with power. And what does Jesus say? Jesus is saying you're going to be a witness wherever you are in your town in a city nearby you, in a state that you may live in like Ohio, in a nation like America are all of the nations around the world. God wants us to go into all the world. So when you put together Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and you understand what Jesus is saying, and you take it apart and 
you put a bunch of scholars in a room and you put a bunch of pastors in the room and you put a bunch of lay people in the room that may not be trained, but they understand the Scripture. They cannot walk away from what I'm about to give you. What is the Great Commission? So if you ever ask this, you need to know it. Presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person in the world and to make disciples of all the nations. That's what it is. It's presenting the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person in the world. I mean, listen. Here you are sitting on this corner in this small town of Ohio. And God wants you to present the gospel to every person in the world. Come on, give me a break, God. No, nope, you don't you do not get a break. God wants you to have that vision. And by the way, you can start with your own town. Presenting the gospel to every person in this town. I mean, you're one of the few places in America today that could accomplish that. Presenting the gospel to every person in the world and to make disciples of all the nations. Well, listen, you, you can't eliminate all of that. You can't, you can't deny the imperative nature of it. So how do you fulfill that assignment? How do you do that? Well, it starts by this. You have to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's why we go. We have to reach people for Jesus Christ. And then you have to baptize people by immersion. That's what Jesus was saying. You, you've got to go, and as you go, you, you reach them, and you baptize them. Baptism... By immersion, I put in there specifically because that's what New Testament baptism is. That's what it is. Some of you are in this room today and you were baptized as a child. Maybe you were christened, sprinkled, whatever your denomination or heritage may be. And maybe later in life you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but you've still not been baptized by immersion. You say, oh, well, I've already was baptized when I was a baby. No. You need to be baptized by immersion. That would be like getting married and being ashamed of it. I got married 44 years ago. I married when I was four. This is my original wedding band. I broke it one time hitting the pulpit. I st it's still broken. But I thought I'd get me another one. My wife bought me another one, and I didn't like it as much. I went back to the original. I went a few days while I was getting it fixed, and Mrs. Eddie 
who's over 90-something years old, saw me not wear my wedding band in the pulpit two weeks in a row. She pinned me up in the corner one day. I mean, we had several thousand people. The woman found out, Jack, and when she did it, she, she I'm going to tell you, buddy, she got, in, she got in some stuff now. I said, well, I don't know. You need to have that on there. Everybody needs to know you're married. I said, okay, okay, okay. I went home, got that band. I didn't take it off. Because this band is a testimony. I belong to Gina. And baptism tells me I belong to Jesus. You with me? Some of you need to do that today. You need to do it. You need to, you need to get off dead center and take care of business. Oh, it's not going to save you, but you're telling everybody you got saved. And then the Bible says that it's about teaching people how to live like Jesus. That's what we're to do. We're to teach people how to live like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not simply getting a book somebody's written and you sit in the corner at a restaurant and disciple each other in your minds. That's far deeper than that. Your pastor's discipling you anytime he opens up this book and he just says to you, let me tell you today how we're going to, listen, you need to be healed. I want to show you what God's Word says about being healed. And he opens the Word of God out of James chapter 5 and he teaches it. Or you want to learn how to raise a child? He goes to the book of Deuteronomy and he teaches you. He's teaching you how to disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus, to live your life like Jesus wants you to live it. Well, listen, that's what it's about. You say, well, we still got a problem. I mean, you know, we're supposed to go into all the world. Well, listen, that's, that's what we're about here today. We have directors of missions here. They help churches on a local level accomplish that together. We have state convention leadership here and Brother Jack, and they help your church touch Ohio for Jesus Christ because of the churches all across this state. You're able to do more together than you could ever do right here on your own. And I'm here today to to just be that person that represents all that we do around the world. Because today there are floods in the state of Tennessee and Waverly where people have died due to 15 inches of rain in a matter of time. And I'm telling you, listen to me, Southern Baptist, you're already there. You're there overseas in the catastrophes or the disasters of the refugees all over this nation, fleeing nations like Afghanistan and so many others. You're on the borders of Texas and California because of what you do, and you're there. And it's your partnership that takes you there. We have thousands of missionaries across the world and planting hundreds and hundreds of gospel churches every year across this nation. And it's because of churches like yours through vision of the Great Commission, cooperation of the Great Commission. And you do that through your giving, through what we call the cooperative program, which is the financial fuel that helps us take the gospel to the world. 
we live out Acts 1-8 together. Are you with me, church? So it is possible. This past year at the Southern Baptist Convention, don't believe everything you read about that. Southern Baptist Convention, when we meet, we got a lot of people. We're a very large, deliberate body. We had over, I don't know, whatever it was, 15, 16,000 people have the opportunity to vote or get up at a microphone to say whatever they want to say. Imagine that. Wow. Had over 20,000 people there. And, you know, we're like any big family. We got a few crazy uncles and aunts. But, you know, we do, and we did do some great things. One of the great things we did determine was we adopted what is called Vision 2025, which is a vision that leads us and helps us to be committed to reaching every person for Jesus Christ in every town, every city, every state, and every nation. And that's really what it's all about, and that, 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 that's Acts 1-8, man. That's Matthew 28. That's, that's Mark 16. That's Luke 24. That's John 20. It's all there. And oh, you say, well, we can't do it as one denomination, one convention of churches. You're right, even though we have some 50,000 congregations just like you all over America. Over 47,000 plus churches located all over the United States. But you know what? We've got to set our sights. We have to... We have to be tenacious about this great commission. It's the most important thing to Jesus, and it ought to be the most important thing to the First Southern Baptist Church of Canton, Ohio. You don't have an option to set this one out. Well, I'm not into that. Well, you need to get into that. You get into Jesus, you'll get into take His gospel and His good news to the world. How are we going to try to do that? What are we going to do to try to make a bigger den over the next four years together? Well, I could go through this real quickly. First of all, we need to send 500 more missionaries. That means that we need to send 500 more missionaries that are full-time, fully funded to come up with the 3,600 that are already overseas right now. Most of them in secure places where their lives could be lost. Very secure under the radar in every sense of the term. There are some 11,000 people groups, ethnicities, all over the world. And out of those 11,000 plus people groups, over 3,200 of those people groups, we don't have any record of anybody ever, 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 ever going to those groups and sharing Jesus with them at all. And there are a few thousand of them barely have any representation of what Christianity is. So about 4 billion plus people in the world out of the 7.9 billion of the people of the world, most of them do not have the privilege you do to even hear about the good news of Jesus Christ or even the name of Jesus. I mean, listen, certainly you believe we need more missionaries overseas, right? We didn't decide that in Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. I want to make that clear. 
It was decided by the people across the world. The missionaries across the world said, we need this and we need this and we need this and we need this over the next three or four years. That means we need to send 500 more missionaries overseas. Your church can be a part of that. Two, we need to add 5,000 more congregations across North America. Oh, listen, your church planting three churches right here from Camden. Wow, so what a thrill. You're so unique. I mean, you really are unique. You say, well, that's what they say about us, but not for that reason. No, you are. You're unique. Praise God. Who would have ever imagined a church like this would emerge in a town like this? Only God. Keep planting churches. We need more churches in Ohio. Did you hear me, Ohio? You may see churches all over the place. We need gospel stations with great gung-ho pastors who will proclaim the good news and get after reaching their communities for Christ. Somebody cared enough about Camden, Ohio, and did it 70 years ago, and you ought to care enough about another community and doing it across this state over the next four or five years. Ohio Baptist will help you with that. Our North American Mission Board will help you with that. We need to call out the called. You know what it means to call out the called? I'll tell you my story. I was raised in a little Baptist church in Texas. 30 to 40 people every day. That's what we, that's what we were raised in. Pastor didn't prepare that week. Don't worry about it. He's going to ask somebody to sing on Sunday night and take the whole service. Had a Bible occasional pastor my whole life. Just like your pastor was before he came here. Had a full-time job. Worked on the weekend as well. Driving to a church miles away and ministering the Word of God to a people of God. That's what we call bivocational. Two different locations. I wanted to be a football coach. I still want to be a football coach. I love football. I was a Texas Longhorn fan, raised 90 miles away from Texas, from Austin. I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I see some of you down in your head, just shaking your head. I got it. I understand. And I tell you what, my plan was rather simple, Jack. Here was the plan, Pastor Greg. Honest to God, I was going to become the head football coach at the University of Texas. Then I was going to take over for Tom Landry at the Dallas Cowboys. I dreamed big. But I tell you what, based off what I've seen, they could have used me. Both of them. But one day, my bivocational pastor started putting in the hearts of some of us, preaching the word in that little old bitty church. Some of you here today, just like some of you here today. You may have other plans for your life, no matter how old you are. For some of you that are younger, perhaps you have various plans for your life. 
could it be that God is calling you into the ministry of the gospel? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got in what I categorized as my stuff. I didn't understand it as that. I'd just been a Christian for a few months, even though I was raised in the church and never missed. And on a Sunday morning in March of that year, I walked down the aisle and I surrendered to my life, the full-time gospel ministry. Two weeks later, the pastor announced next Sunday night, Ronnie is preaching his first sermon, Don't You Miss It. He didn't ask me. He told me right from the pulpit. And I got ready. You see, there may be somebody like this all over your city. Who knows? Who knows? Call out the call. We need thousands and thousands. You, did you know that we're educating 24,000 seminary students right now in the six seminaries we have to send them out across the nations? That's because of people like you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but we also need to see this. We need to, we need to reverse the decline in baptisms for children and teenagers under 18 years of age. You see, since the year 2000, there has been a dramatic, steep fall-off of the baptism of teenagers all over the United States. It's dreadful. It's horrible. It's terrible. And I'm just telling you, I want to challenge your church, even in this small community, Go after children and go after teenagers and win them to Jesus Christ. Baptize them. Disciple them. Teach them how to live like Jesus. I mean, let me ask you today, just for fun, how many of you came to Jesus Christ when you were a child or you were a teenager? Raise your hand. Look at this. So let me ask you, how many of y'all think your church needs to do that quite well? I hear people talk sometimes, and they say stuff like this. Well, we got to reach that, that the, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, these, these children, these teenagers, they're the next generation. They're the, we're going to, the church is the future. This is the church of the future. No, they're not. They're not the future church. They're the now church. They're alive. They have viability. They need to be taught. They need to be reached. They need to be baptized. We're going to do all those things. We need to see an increase in giving through the cooperative program. Thank you for what your church does, by the way. Did you know your church is one of the top 15 churches in all of Ohio in giving through the cooperative program? Did you all know that? That's a big-time deal. May God be praised. That's okay if you can, you can clap. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know whether you give by percentile or whether you give by a certain amount, but I just want to challenge you. As God leads you, if you can increase your giving over the next three or four or five years, that would be awesome because we really do need to send more missionaries and we do need to plant more gospel churches and we do need to educate more people being called to ministry and we do need to turn around this dismal decline in children and student baptism. And then through the deliberative processes, a great commandment came on the scene and was added to this vision 
the way we treat God, love God, and how we treat others is really important. And therefore, we're also going to add to prayerfully endeavor to eliminate all incidents of sexual abuse and racial discrimination in our churches. Oh, listen, the most safe place in Camden should be the First Southern Baptist Church of Camden. For children, and teenagers, women, and men. And never should a church, a gospel church, a real born-again Christian ever look at a black man, look at an Asian, look at someone that doesn't look like you, a Latino, and you look your nose down. Every person was made in the image of God. And we need to value every, every person. I'm telling you now, that's what we need all of us to be a part of. So as we close today, here's what I want to urge you today. I want to urge you this morning, you understand the Great Commission. You've been taught about the Great Commission. Many of you may have known about the Great Commission before I ever got here, and probably you did, because I know you don't just show up at a church like this. You maybe couldn't define it, but I promise you pastors preached on it and taught you. But you can't ever teach on it too much. And I want to urge you to refocus your life and refocus your church around this Great Commission. And sir, whether you are a layperson and you have a vocation still or whether you're retired, I'm telling you, God is calling you to refocus your life on the Great Commission and do it as a church. But I, not only to simply refocus, we need to reset our churches to this. We ought to have a massive issue. Churches, they chase after all kind of stuff. They're like basketball teams. They dribble well, but they don't ever win games. You win games when you put the stinking ball in the hoop and you do it more than your opponent. We don't need churches that dribble well. They've got enough dribbling happening. We need churches that know what it is, the Great Commission of Jesus. So refocus, reset, and renew your heart and renew your life to this today. Church leaders, you know who you are. Renew your own heart to this. Don't ever take it for granted. It is the most important thing. And together, do it to the glory of God. Father, I ask you now in the powerful name of Jesus that you'll take the word and you'll touch lives today. Now, this morning as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, there are many of you here today 
some who may even be watching this at a later time or even if it's live stream today. I want to urge you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that you will do it today. Whether you're a boy or girl, a teenager, whether you are a young adult or an older adult, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and ask Him to come in your life, I'm going to ask you in a moment to leave where you're seated. Come to the nearest aisle. Come and take this pastor by the hand and tell him, Pastor, I need Jesus today. And some of you today, you need to follow Christ in baptism. You heard me talk about that. It's time to settle it. What a great day to do that on the 70th anniversary. Baptistry's full, by the way. They could even do it today. Why wait? You can do it next week. But I want to urge you today, come and say, I want to be baptized biblically by immersion. Some of you, God is leading to this church. Maybe you're coming from another church. You want to become a part of this family. Come to pastor today as well. And there may be teenagers here today or children. There may be adults of various ages here. Maybe you're in the middle of your vocation. But you've been stirred over the last several weeks of your life. And maybe God is calling you. That's right. Disrupting what your plans were to put you on the path of God calling you to ministry or calling you to missions. I don't know, but God might. And if you even think God might be doing that, even to consider it, you need to ask your pastor to pray for you today. So, Lord, in a moment we're going to sing. And I'm going to ask that you will call people here And there may be some today, you just want to come and renew your heart to the Great Commission. Leaders of our church, people in our church here, it's time to renew. Man, you know what? I, I want to renew. I want to see my community reach for Jesus. Come and kneel here today or stand at the front and just say, Lord, I, I want to be used. I want to pray for my church today. We're going to stand together all over the room. Pastor Greg will be waiting. You come. Let's stand together right now all over the room.